0: This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Startup Show. My name is Ali Mwakanenogakweli. I'm your lead host of the Kenyan Wall Street podcast. So today with me, we have Kuenhui Tawa, who I will refer to as Katie. Katie is the head of platform services and special project at Soko Watch, which is a, a startup that lends to small dukas just to meet their financial needs and to allow them to uh, maintain stock. They also have an e-commerce platform, but then Katie will get into more detail into that. And today we want to talk about generally lending to small businesses within East Africa, and how how that has an impact to to the local economy, and how that is helping many businesses grow in scale. Welcome to the show, Katie.
1: Awesome, awesome. Uh, thanks, Ali, and
0: uh, excited to be here. All right. So let's get to um, let's get to know your company a little bit. Um, tell us about Sokowatch, You know, from an internal point of view, and what's the story behind the startup. Sure, sure, sure. Happy to, happy to. So
1: SokaWatch is an is a B2B e-commerce platform um, that's focused on effectively driving better access and affordability of essential goods and services. And where we started that journey was with what we like to call FMCG. So that's fast moving consumer goods. And just to give an example, what I mean by that is cooking oil, rice, sugar, flour, all these very basic products that, that you find at a Duca. And effectively, what we realized in the problem that we were trying to solve for was historically, so pre soka Watch, um, a duca would have to call a wholesaler or call a distributor, and generally they were they were going through a call list of about you know ten to fifteen wholesalers to find all the different products that they need in their store. And then once they find the products that they need, um, they would actually have to physically go to the store pay like um, in person and then organize their own transportation to bring that back to their store. So the innovation that SokaWatch brought to bear initially for these customers was we allowed these customers, one, to be able to have price transparency. So versus depending on someone telling you the pricing over the phone, you know, we were able to provide that pricing feedback via SMS or via our our, uh, mobile application where customers could access that and be able to see our pricing in real time whenever they want. Right. So that's one thing that, that, that we started to bring into the market was that price transparency. Number two, um, we also brought the convenience of becoming a one-stop shop. So you didn't need multiple suppliers to get the products you need. You were able to come to one supplier and get everything you need at one stop shop. And then number three, the other piece that, that we solved for was that delivery piece, which was the most critical and most expensive piece. Right. Because if you think about it, right, the, when you when you think about the cost of products for a duca, there's one the cost of the actual product, which is you know, using oil well as an example, the cost of the actual 20 litre jerrycan that the merchant pays. Right. But number two, that merchant actually has to pay transportation costs to get that 20 litre jerrycan to their store. And so the other thing that we were solving for, which was making the merchant more competitive, was actually starting to offer and introduce free delivery. And we were the first to do that um, in Kenya and in every market in which we've operated in. So that's our core business and, and that's our core B2B platform on top of that platform. What we've started to do is we've started to recognize, um, key customer pain points and one of these key customer pain points is actually the ability to access, um, financial services. Right. And so what I mean by that is a merchant today that spends about hundred dollars a week on goods, right. Is capped in terms of their ability to grow their business because all they have is hundred dollars to spend, but by introducing our financial services, we can now allow that merchant to be able to access a credit limit of, say, $200, which means now that merchant can purchase $300 worth of goods a week, which can allow them to actually be able to grow their business.
0: So that's uh, what we do in a nutshell. So essentially what you say is that there are two aspects of the business here. There's the access to the products themselves, which literally includes being able to find them at a transparent price and also access to the money to buy the products to scale the business. Is that right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So
1: the, the two core services that we offer today is the logistic services, which allows merchants to get the goods they need, the way we like to say it internally, is get the goods you need at a competitive price when you need it, right? So that's that's sort of our value proposition on the the FMCG side. On our financial services side, it's can we provide you with growth capital um, to allow you to be able to grow your business? Right. And, and so what, what we want and what we desire is for our merchants to be able to grow with Soko Watch. And so that's that's the goal from from the financial services
0: side. Where is Soko based at and where did you start from? So um, I understand that you guys operate from Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda and Uganda, if you will. Um, what country did you start from and why? Ah, yes,
1: yes, yes. So um, we started in Nairobi, actually, in Kenya. Um, so Nairobi is our home. And Nairobi is where our HQ is based. And um, the reason why we started in Nairobi is probably very similar to why a lot of startups start in Nairobi is I think Nairobi has a very vibrant startup ecosystem. And I think Nairobi has a lot of support systems. And, you know, the Kenyan consumer and Kenyan customers um, are a bit more familiar with startups and technology. And so we felt that the right ingredients in terms of market, in terms of internet penetration in terms of mobile money, accessibility, and all these other factors made Nairobi the best place to start. So Nairobi is where we started that journey. And since then, we've, we've now scaled to nine cities across four countries in East Africa. So we operate in Tanzania, Uganda,
0: and uh, Rwanda. You and I both know that um, Soko, which is not the only startup operating within within that niche, especially on the finance side. Um, just for, for, for the benefit of our listeners out there, what, what's the unique bit in Soko's offering? So what's unique about
1: Soko Watch's offering um, in terms of the lending side of the business is one, the way that we structure the lending is we don't actually give our merchants cash, right? So when merchants actually buy using our, our lending product, they're actually getting goods in kind, right? And what that does is it really, especially when when, when you think about the the merchants that, that we're dealing with, right? A lot of the merchants that, that we're dealing with seeing, um working capital loans for the first time, right? And and they're not necessarily as savvy how to use these products. And so the way that we've aimed to structure our products is we aim to structure our products or basically incentivize these merchants to be able to use the product in a way that allows them to grow versus creating a culture of indebtedness, right? And so I think that's one, key area that that I think we're we're super focused on. Number two, we actually also provide financial literacy training to our merchants. So one of the things that we've been doing and we actually have a team that is focused on doing this is we're not just focused on lending and giving you money and then, you know, coming, coming and knocking at your door when when you don't pay, right? We want to also teach you how to use our products to really accelerate the growth of your business. Right. And so we provide you know, financial literacy training to our merchants to ensure that our merchants are actually learning how to use the products that we're providing them access to in an effective way to grow their business. Number three, our merchants, you know, a lot of our merchants who are using our financial services product, we are their largest um, supplier of goods, right? And so, you know, this whole concept of having a one-stop shop where they can come and get the goods they need when they need it but they can also get the financing that they need it makes it much simpler for the merchants to have one key relationship point in which they're accessing everything they need versus going to multiple distributors right especially as i was mentioning at the start pre-soco watch a lot of our merchants had to go to multiple distributors to get what they needed and merchants who were accessing financing you know were not necessarily accessing financing from the merchants who were supplying them with the goods right they had to access financing from a third party So which meant you had to deal with multiple relationships to be able to run your business. Whereas with Watch, you get everything you need with one counterparty who's supplying you um, effectively.
0: One of the things that you've mentioned is the merchant experience pre-Soco, which which includes, of course, uh, the problems in accessing goods at the right price when they need them. The number of people that the merchants would have to deal with at a go, as well as the finance problem. Do you think this is sort of homogeneous across Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Uganda? Does it differ in between the countries?
1: I would actually argue that it differs even within countries at a city level, right? I think each city and the way that we've built out our approach, I mean, I think there is some standardization to our processes where where there's potential synergies. But I think in terms of optimizing for the customer experience, we've really optimized at a branch level, right? So even within... Um, a city like Nairobi, right? We've dissected Nairobi into three parts, right? So we have sort of what we call Western Nairobi, we have Eastern Nairobi, and, and we have Thika, right? So we have three branches even within Nairobi. And each branch has, you know, um, nuances into how they, they, they deal with customers in those markets, just because the, the dynamics in terms of what those customers need is slightly different. Right. And, and to kind of provide you a kind of contrasting picture of that is if you take, for example, Nairobi, Nairobi is like what we call the GT, right? The GT is called general trade. Um, and that's a term to kind of refer to uh, how FMCG suppliers like Unilever look to get their goods to um, Dukas. Right. So if you compare the way that that market is structured in Nairobi, in Nairobi, you would have Unilever selling to a distributor who sells to local wholesalers. And these local wholesalers are located and cover specific regions like Kibera, Kaungare, and are in each of these different markets. And they focus on customers in those markets. So it's, it's very structured, even at a neighborhood level in Nairobi. If you take Kigali, for example, and using Kigali as a way to kind of contrast that picture, in Kigali, you have one street in downtown Kigali where all the distributors are based. You don't have these local, regional neighborhood wholesalers that are selling. What you have is the merchant has to go all the way to downtown to get their goods there. And so that market structure differs per city. And so as a result, we aim to take, as I said, a city and even a branch level approach
0: to the way that we think about customer experience just because of these nuances. I'm happy that you've clarified how the, the different cities differ in, in terms of the channels. Is it the same when, rather, if we look at other parts of, of Africa?
1: And in terms of you mean outside of East Africa or you mean, um, or sorry, just, just
0: trying to clarify the question here. Yeah, sort of um, outside East Africa within Sub-Saharan Africa.
1: Yeah, look, I mean, I think we at the moment we, we only operate in East Africa. And so I can't speak specifically mm-hmm. to market structure in markets outside of the ones that we operate in at the moment. Um, but I think in terms of our understanding of informal retail, I mean, particularly with our partners like Unilever and our partners like Procter and Gamble, right? I think what we've understood is that general trade and, and you know, informal retail is still the dominant means by which people buy the goods that they, they need, right? So if you if you if you look at sort of sort of the, the stats, right, 90% of retail transactions happen at an informal retailer across Sub-Saharan Africa, right? So I, I would argue that at the core, right? The core problem that, that, that Soko Watch was identifying is probably a problem that exists across, you know, sub-Saharan Africa, excluding South Africa that has quite a uh, prevalent modern trade um, ecosystem. But in terms of the nuances, as I was just describing between Nairobi and Kigali, um, I think, you know, those we'll, we'll learn as we enter, you know, new markets, but uh, I can't speak to those, but I think generally the the core problem of the informal retailers, you know, having problems of access to, you know, goods when they need it, as well as problems of access to financing is a problem
0: that we believe is is across the continent. Sokowatch has been in the game for for eight years. Am I right? Since 2013? Um, I I think the way that I I would
1: break out the Sokowatch journey Mm -hmm. is I I, I would say the model as we have Sokowatch today is really a model that was built in 2016, 2017. Um, And the initial model, and and I'm, I'm sure you know, those those who, who are familiar with startups, right? Startups constantly pivot, right? And I would say, so where we started in 2013 and the mission and the journey and the focus in 2013 is different than, you know, what we're doing today, right? Because the business has made multiple pivots along the way um, and the business really kind of started to get product market fit in terms of what we're focused on right now, um, starting in 2015 and then moving into 2016, 2017. Right. And so I think in in terms of thinking about the journey with the business as it looks like today, I would say we're, we're, we're about, you know, five, six years into that journey. All
0: right. So five, six years into the journey of, um, helping small dukas access better um, finances and access to products. What are some of the challenges that you have experienced so far and what are some of the milestones that you've achieved?
1: Look, I think um, we've experienced our fair share of challenges, right? One, um, we were one of the first to introduce the delivery model of using uh, three-wheelers, what we call tuk-tuks, to, to basically do commercial delivery. I think prior to us introducing that, in Nairobi and even in Kenya at large, right? Most three wheelers were being used as passenger vehicles, right? And so I think, you know, the challenge of getting, you know, the vehicles uh, being able to grow our fleet because we at Sokowatch actually own the vehicles that we use to do delivery. We don't lease vehicles from third parties. Um, and, and and so as a result, right, you know, being able to access those vehicles was was a big challenge and continues to be a big challenge for us. As we scale up, just because, you know, that is, that is an area that the market didn't really have um, in terms of solutions. And we've, we've had to kind of innovate and build the solutions there with regards to relationships with suppliers. So I'd say that's one aspect. I think another aspect um, in terms of supporting our growth is also really kind of like thinking about human capital and really kind of thinking about the way in which we, we continue to build and develop our team, right? I think at Soka Watch, we have what we like to call a very unique culture. And I we like to think our culture is sort of our, our secret sauce um, for our success. And I think building a culture like ours within the markets in which we operate is difficult just because a lot of people aren't used to it, right? Um, and so I think that has continued to be a very, very big challenge where we we focus and we spend a lot of our time as a senior management team really thinking very hard about how do we, you know, one, recruit the best and brightest um, to enter into our ecosystem? Two, how do we then train them and provide them with the resources for them to be successful within SocoWatch? And then three, how do we then, you know, infuse our culture in them, right? Because one of our biggest values is best ideas win, right? And we like to create a culture of innovation where people, regardless of your title, can feel um, free to be able to speak up right? And provide feedback about strategies and the way in which we run the business. And we actually listen to that, right? Um, a good example is a, a few years ago. I remember one of our, our junior sales folks, um, she, she, in one of our town halls raised her hand and said, Hey, you know, um, I feel like the way in which we've set up our customer experience today means that when customer complaints come in, they only come into the salesperson, right? And because the salesperson is so focused on selling, right? Nine times out of 10, the salesperson isn't actually addressing those customer problems. And they raised that we needed to now start to build out a dedicated customer service team. And so that came out of one of our salesperson raising their hands and saying, hey, the processes we have it today is not working. We should try something different. Right. And we, we listened to that and we implemented that by creating our, a dedicated customer service team. And the salesperson who raised that actually joined that team and was one of the founding members of that team right and so that's just a good example of um, of the sukawach culture and how we aim to listen to our employees especially listening to the people that are closest to the
0: ground and to the customer. Katie let's let's look at the space that you you guys operate in the small dukas which form a bulk of the retail threat in in Kenya and within within East Africa. Um The nature of the businesses that you deal with, I'm imagining um, a small duka kiosk somewhere in Kangwari. Most of these businesses, first of all, start from a family base. Also, there's the lack of um, this integration between the finances of the business and finances of the family. And then also we have challenges like, you know, proper record keeping where like um, businesses can you know, accurately record their turnovers vis-a-vis other bigger companies. How do you guys navigate this challenge, especially the data challenge where you have complete and accurate data of things like sales and turnovers? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, look, I think the way we've looked to solve that problem is
1: just becoming super, super efficient ourselves and making things super, super simple for how our merchants interact with us, right? Um, I think the, the way that we've done that is by really making sure that, that the way that we've built our systems, we're able to capture a lot of that data Right. So as we build the relationship with the customer, you know, over time, we're able to kind of build a profile with the customer as the, as the customer purchases from us on a weekly basis. And we're able to kind of see what their purchase cycle looks like. Right. So we know. So if we, we use you as an example. Right. So imagine you're a customer of ours. You know, we're able to tell that you know, your biggest sales happen in week one, just because when we look at your purchase history, right, you tend to buy and spend the most amount of money in week one relative to, say, maybe week two or week three of the month. Right. And so in terms of just looking at your purchase cycle, we're able to now start to deduce these data points and we're able to then provide you with feedback and then provide you with promotions around products that, that, that you are keen on pushing at those peak times. Right. Um, and so we do that in conjunction with our salespeople um, engaging these customers. Right. So our salespeople have access to this data that we have on our customers. And, you know, our salespeople are able to actually engage in, and share some of this data with the customers and actually talk to them about it. Right. And so that's part of our, our whole sales process where we actually look to, to surface this data back to our customers and provide them with feedback. Right. Where we're able to say, hey, you know, there's this new product in market at, you know, a couple shops. that that are down the street from you are buying and they're actually selling quite well. So why don't you introduce that in your your shop and we can support you in introducing that in your shop because now we can provide you with access to growth capital where your core business, right? So if your core business, I'm just giving you an example here, if your core business is mostly selling rice, sugar, salt, and flour that makes up roughly about 80% of your sales, right? You can use our our working capital facility to manage those purchases. And now you can take your cash that you were previously using to invest in those core products that you know that are going to sell to now start to look at how do you add incremental products that you may have been hesitant to invest in previously because of limited capital. Now we've unlocked that capacity for you to now start to invest in these new products. So I'd say that's the way that we've really been kind of approaching it. So we as SocoWatch are basically becoming your um, your operating system, so to speak, right? So we basically become the technology that runs your business. Um, and at the moment, you know, we're not we're not giving this technology to the merchant because I would argue that on average, most of our merchants are not at a place where they are comfortable um, being able to use this data to run their business. And so the way that we've approached this, we've combined that data with that human touch right? Which is what our merchants are more comfortable with, right? Our merchants are more comfortable dealing with a person that they can talk to, a, a person that they can associate with. And so I think that's the way that we sort of balance that relationship with the fact that they themselves don't necessarily ha- um, keep track of that data.
0: Um, Katie, what, what is the role of emerging technology in sort of improving specifically access to finance for for small dookers that you handle? Yeah, look, I think um, the, the most important piece in that,
1: is one, just like the democratization of access, right? Um, I think using technology and being able to combine that with data, as I was saying, right? So relative to a lot of traditional wholesalers and distributors who, you know, similar to our Duka merchants, you know, operate on pen and paper, you know, they as a result um, depend on relationships, right? and the, the, the length of time that they've been working with a particular client to be able to make these lending decisions, right? Whereas with us, we're able to turn that around much faster, right? Where a customer only needs to be in our network for about one to two months before we feel comfortable being able to lend to them, right? And that, that comes from a place of our ability to actually track capture, provide visibility of that data internally to our scoring team. Our scoring team is then able to very quickly score these customers using you know, data algorithms. And then from there, we're then able to use our technology to monitor their behavior. Right. And we're able to then adjust accordingly. So one of the things that we do to kind of drive, you know, sort of carrot and stick around the way in which customers use our lending product is we're able to then drive credit limit decisions on a more regular basis. Right. So versus your traditional bank where, you know, a bank gives you a loan and then they have to wait nine months before they can then review your your delinquency status. Our loan product is a seven-day product, right? And so you're getting feedback from us on a weekly basis as to whether or not you're performing well because you're paying on time, you're ordering, you're you're you're, you're using your limit, right? So your limit utilization, which means, um, if you, uh, just to kind of break that down for your audience, what I mean by limit utilization is if a customer has access to a hundred-dollar limit, right? Mm-hmm. You know how much of that hundred dollars are they using for purchase, right? So are they using ninety dollars? Are they using ninety-five? Are they using eighty dollars? And so that limit utilization is actually quite critical, right? In terms of thinking about, are you effectively scoring and determining the merchants need effectively enough? Um, and we're able to review that quite frequently. And that allows us to review that limit up or review it down depending on a host of metrics that that we evaluate. And so I think technology plays a very, very critical role in that because as you, as you can see, as I was just mentioning in all the different aspects, right? That our technology that we've built um, really kind of drives our decision-making process and allows us to be faster, allows us to be more nimble and allows us to lend to more customers than your typical wholesale distributor would be able to, right? And to date, we've lent to over 3,000 customers in our network, right? And so I think that's where I really see technology playing a crit- critical role is continuing to democratize, you know, that access. And I think the other piece where um, in the long run, and, and and this is me just kind of taking a step back and looking out, right? The other piece in the long run where I think And and we strongly believe technology is going to play another critical role is just providing access to training and that financial literacy. Right. Um, I think right now we're doing a lot of that in more offline ways, but but we want to start introducing that in more online ways to really better equip the merchants to basically be able to learn in their own time. Right. Versus the more standardized way in which we're doing it, where they learn on a set schedule set by us. So I think that other piece there in terms of financial literacy is an area that we think is extremely important um, as these merchants become more savvy in how they run their business. And I think using technology to deliver that as we continue to grow is a critical way for us to be able to scale that.
0: Katie, as we finish the podcast of where do you see um, lending to small businesses within East Africa in the next, say, three to five years? And uh, where does Soko Watch fit into that picture?
1: Yeah, no, uh, look, I think um, we at SokoWatch, our goal and our dream is to basically be a platform that, you know, continues to provide access, right? So as I said, our mission is, you know, to provide, you know, access to, you know, uh, goods and services to these merchants, right? And so I think um, we, we want to be a platform through which merchants can not only access working capital, but can access insurance. Um, can access, you you mentioned earlier, rightfully so, that, you know, today a lot of these merchants, right, these are family-owned businesses and the finances of the store is basically the finances of the family, right? And we see this even in our purchase data where, you know, if there's a medical emergency, these merchants are basically taking um money out of their business to be able to manage these medical emergencies right so looking at introducing things like insurance right to minimize those those cash outlays um i think are are areas that that we look to continue to focus on and look i think uh our view and my view of the market is i think there's going to be continuous consolidation of a lot of uh, a lot of players in the space. And I think there's also going to be um, a lot of partnerships, right? We at SoCoWatch are quite keen on continuing to partner with other players in the space. We don't believe that, that we have to be the sole provider of all these lending products on our platform. Um, we're happy to allow other players who have expertise in a space, whether it's insurance, you know whether it's in um, school loans financing whether it's in asset financing to be able to join our platform and basically you know work with us to achieve the goal of growing our customer right because ultimately the way that we see financial services is we see it as a growth enabler of our merchants right and so we want to be that platform and as i said what's super super key and the super key value add that we bring at SokaWatch watch is becoming that one-stop shop right so you as a merchant have one relationship partner that you know, allows you to have to bring to bear everything that you need, right? Whether it's goods or whether it's services. And so we want to continue to do that. And we want to do it both ourselves where we create products, but as well as do it with partners who want to work with us um, to deliver their products to our customers. So I think that's that's the way that I I see um, the market evolving. um, And I see um, Sokowatch evolving with the market and continuing to support um, our customers as we as
0: we scale up here. Got it. Maybe any last words for listeners before we close? Sure, sure, sure,
1: sure. Look, our, our financial services business is one of our fastest growing businesses internally and uh, is a massive, massive, massive growth engine. And I think, you know, lending is, as, as many listeners have probably seen with the headlines is continuing to be a very topical and interesting space. Um, and as you said, a lot of your, your listeners are between, you know, 21 and, and, and 28. And so that, that's sort of the, the core age group that we're recruiting for. And so, you know, a, a recruitment plug there for, for listeners to check out our website and um, and look to apply for roles. Um, we're aggressively recruiting and adding roles across uh, Nairobi and, and other cities in which we do business in Kenya. So I, I would urge everyone to please check out our, our available positions and apply, right? Um, we're, we're, we're excited to, to continue to bring in new talent um, to support our growth. And
0: so I appreciate uh, you giving me that opportunity to share that. You're welcome. That's all we had for today. Thank you for joining this discussion.